Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello once again. Welcome to this Wednesday episode of The Inner Life here. It's Wednesday of the 17th week in Ordinary Time. 17 weeks of Ordinary Time, along with uh, Lent there earlier in the year. And we also had, uh, right at the very first of the year, we were still in the Christmas season. So it means the year is just zipping right by. Uh, Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, and glad to have you along for this hour of spiritual direction here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Almost through the month of July here, just a few days left. And during the summer, what's the best summertime dessert that you've had so far this year? Do you have a favorite dessert, especially at this time of year in the hot summer months? Ice cream, of course, that's a standard. That's a a very uh, wonderful summertime treat. Another one that we make at our house in the summer is strawberry shortcake, all the ripe strawberries in season, especially in June. But I also love the different summer pies that are made throughout the warm months, all the different fruits that are ripe, they're ready to be eaten. And then you combine those with some sugar, maybe some cinnamon, butter, a little flour, they get mixed up, they get thrown in that flaky crust. And yeah, uh, that's, that's a great summertime dessert. My wife, she would rather have cake, maybe brownies, something else is a dessert, but I'll take the slice of pie over cake any day of the week. And one of my favorite pies, one that my mom would make for our family when I was growing up, it's huckleberry pie. Now, the huckleberry, it's something that if you're not familiar with the fruit, they're only found in the Pacific Northwest. They also only grow in the wild. When people have tried to grow the plant, the bush that has huckleberries as the fruit. When they've tried to grow that in their garden or their yard, the plant never seems to bear any fruit. So it has to be in the wild, and they have to be picked by going out into the mountains of Montana or Idaho or Washington or Oregon. Sometimes they'll get a little into Northern California or up into the southern parts there of British Columbia. But they kind of look like a small little blueberry, a dark small blueberry, but I think they taste more like a cross between a blackberry and a blueberry. But regardless, they're really, really tasty. They're good in pies and jams and chocolates and all the other things that are made with huckleberries in the Northwest. And we would have huckleberry pies every summer when I was growing up in Northern Idaho. Uh, The best way to have it, warm out of the oven, a scoop of vanilla ice cream that just starts to slightly melt into the filling, that jammy sweetness of the pie. That is just summer nostalgia through and through for me. My brother, 
I think he likes Huckleberry Pie even more than I do. And now that my family, all of us, we moved out to the Midwest, if we want a Huckleberry Pie now, we have to special order frozen Huckleberries. They get shipped out to us. And my mom, she's 80 now, she'll still make a Huckleberry Pie for special occasions, for a holiday or someone's birthday. And my brother, since that's one of his favorite desserts, every year our mom will make him a couple of those pies. And at one point within the last year, it wasn't for my brother's birthday. I don't remember the occasion, but my mom had made a couple of huckleberry pies for some family dinner. And my wife, after dinner, you know, there were some leftover pieces of pie. She took a couple of pieces over to our neighbors. This is a retired couple who lives next door to us. And they had also lived out in the Northwest years and years ago. And they just said it was such a wonderful memory. They were delighted to have that little taste of something from living back in the Pacific Northwest decades ago. But when my brother ended up hearing that my wife had taken, given away some of the Huckleberry pie, even though it was left over, he'd already had some, he was not very happy. Now, he was teasing a little bit, saying that we should only allow family, family members to eat it. But I think he was a little bit serious on that, too, because he's mentioned it again a couple times over the last few months. He enjoys Huckleberry Pie so much, and, you know, he knows that we have to special order the berries. He wants to selfishly keep the pies for our immediate family. My wife, on the other hand, she'd feed our neighbors, our kids' friends, anybody who happens to stop by to visit if they were hungry. Uh, she, As long as we're making a meal, she's happy to share with people. It doesn't matter if it's some sort of special or rare treat. You're welcome to take part of it, have part of it. So which one do you identify with more, my brother or my wife? Do you find yourself maybe a bit selfish with certain things? And I want to make a disclaimer here. My brother is a pretty generous person, just apparently not when it comes to Huckleberry Pie. But are you like that or are you happy to share with others of anything and everything that you have? And, you know, with my wife, as generous as she can be, I'm sure she has those selfish areas in her life, too. I'm sure I could think of some if I really, you know, sat and gave it some time. But I think all of us do, right? We all have those selfish areas in our life. And that's what we want to talk about today here on The Inner Life. We want to look at those areas where we are a bit selfish. And how can we resist that sin of greed and embrace an attitude of generosity, both in our thoughts and in our actions. And joining us is our spiritual director today as we talk about selfishness and generosity. Father Eric Nielsen is back with us once again. Father Eric is a priest in the Diocese of Madison, Wisconsin. He's the pastor of St. Paul University uh, Catholic Center there on the campus of the University of Wisconsin in Madison. Father Eric, uh, it's always good to talk with you. Welcome back. you have any good uh, summertime desserts that are your favorites? Well, that's just described them pretty well, although here in the Midwest, it's more rhubarb than um, huckleberry huckleberry, um, huckleberry pie. It's more rhubarb pie. In fact, I just had some with ice cream last night, so that was, that was fun. So we're yeah. at, uh, over at uh, somebody's house, and they serve some pie with ice cream. So you, you, it's hard to get uh, hard to beat your favorite pie with some ice cream on it. That's my thought exactly. <laughs> yep, that's that's my birthday go-to. I'd rather have a piece of pie than a piece of cake. But uh, well, Father, 
Talking about selfishness, um, let, let's just start with kind of defining terms here. Um, selfishness, the sin of greed, how do we understand what we're talking about with greed and why it really is problematic for us? Yeah, I think, you know, you bring up a really interesting story there with your brother and the pie. And um, we, I think you, we have to make a little bit of a distinction. They're they're very closely related. You know, when you look at, you know, that, that pie is half eaten and, sh- and um, somebody wants to give it to the neighbors. And it could be, well, I want to give this to the neighbors because I'm over, I'm, you know, I'm a little overweight and I don't want to eat more pie, so I'm just going to give it to them so, I, so it's not a temptation for me. Um, now, the, your brother, maybe he's not being greedy at all. Maybe in some sense he's just really attached to huckleberry pie, you know. And so that, sure, I think sure. when, you, when, you, when you bring that up, as we kind of investigate our generosity, um, sometimes we can be a very generous person, but there's just that one thing that we're really attached to. You know, like I'm really attached to my books. You know, I'll give away everything else because I'm pretty generous, but I just really attach to these books. And so as we look at greed and generosity, I think one of the things we have to look at, too, is our attachments because our attachments can get in the way, you know, of be, of us being generous when we should be um, generous. But our Lord um, says that we must be on guard against all kinds of greed and what, you know, there's a lot of definitions of greed, but in a basic sense, greed is that desire to stuff the whole world into your mouth. And that's the trouble with the <laughs> vice of, yeah, that's the trouble with the vice of, um, of greed and the desire for money is that you never, ever have enough. You know, you can be satiated with food, you can be satiated with sex, um, you can be, in, in some sense, almost even satiated with power. But, you know, the desire for money just never, ever goes away. I wish I would have saved this article. There's an article in Forbes magazine, and they asked these people how much they needed to retire comfortably. And what the article pointed out was invariably it was always twice as much money than they already had. So much so when they asked the guy who had $500 million in wealth, they asked him, how much would you need to to, uh, retire comfortably? He actually said, I would need about a billion dollars. Um, and so we just see that this desire just it cannot be satiated once we get into it. Um, yeah. And so we, we just totally have to be on guard again because it really shrinks your heart and it will keep you out of heaven. And so as our Lord said, we want to resist greed in all of its form. And as, as you brought out, the way to do that is to be generous and to be willing to share the things that we have with other people. Um, and if you can share the things that you're really attached to, um, uh, you'll be well on your way to being being a generous person. Uh, Father, let's maybe talk about one other word here, too, that sometimes can be associated with greed. A um, little different, though, but it's a word that we encounter in the last two of the Ten Commandments, the word covet. Um, you, you mentioned, you know, greed is wanting to just sh- <laughs> shove the whole world into your mouth. Coveting is it seems to be a type of greed but can you kind of explain the difference between greed itself that selfish kind of greed versus coveting that we're warned about in the 10 commandments yeah i would say covetousness is the um if you will the antecedent to greed because it's the desiring something that you don't have that belongs to another person and so i i covet this out of my greed my desire for it and that can lead to envy and that can lead 
to um, killing your brother even, you know, as, as Cain um, slew Abel. So what we want to be is very happy with the things that we already do possess. And that can not only be the things we possess, but the body we possess and the experiences we possess. You know, just to go a little sideways on your Josh here as we talk about covetousness, I'm finding that with young people now, they don't want to own things as much. What they want to do is, in a sense, they want to own experiences. And so they're very covetous of, you know, having these experiences. They don't want somebody else to have a greater experience than they are. And so they're they're all running after these, you know, interesting and, and good experiences. But that's basically what covetous is, is just, you know, coveting another person's goods. We want to be right. happy with the goods that we do have. Yeah. Right. It's it's not just simply that I want more than you. I I want more, but I also want what you have. Um, I yes, want to take it exactly. from you, so you so you have less than me. Um, uh, you know, you also mentioned the Forbes article with money, and I had heard a study like that. I don't know if it was the same uh, study that it was referencing, but the one I remember, and this gosh, I I came across this maybe twenty years ago, but it was talking about uh, income. And it was always the people looked at the next kind of level up of the the next earning plateau of where they would be finally making enough. You know, if if you made forty thousand dollars a year, if you could make sixty thousand, then you'd be really well off. And and then the people at sixty thousand, they needed to be making seventy five thousand, and the people at seventy five needed to make a hundred. And they always had their eye kind of set on that next level. Um, and so when we talk about that greed and so much of it comes back to money, there's actually a common misquote from Scripture that money is the root of all evil. But St. Paul, in writing to Timothy, it's his first letter to Timothy, he actually states, you know, it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. And I think it's important that we distinguish that there is nothing sinful in having money, in having goods, um, even in having a lot of money, you know, if it's if we have the love of money, if we're obsessed with acquiring more wealth, that's where we're really going to start getting into a lot of trouble. Yeah, I mean, not only if we're so there's you're right. Money in itself is just the way to exchange goods, and but with money comes responsibility to use it wisely and to use it for the benefit of other people. So there, what we want to be um, wary of is, as, as you said, is you know, that love of money, just doing things just for the sake of money. Like the, the, the early church was just very much against, you know, if you're, and I think this is true, if, if you're doing something simply to make money at it, that's evil. A, a Christian never does something simply to make money. He's always doing something because it, it, it does an inherent good for the world. So if, if I'm trading, I'm trading because there's people that, don't have stuff that need stuff, and I'm able to get it for them. If I'm building houses, it's because people need houses. Um, whatever it is that you're doing, we, we want to do in order to benefit other people, not just so that I can make money. Now, money is obviously a benefit that because I need it in order to survive, right? But um, that's why certain things are outlawed to Christians. You know, you just can't do, I mean, that's why prostitution is outlawed. It doesn't matter if you need the money. It's not a good thing. You know, the money doesn't justify the action that you're doing. You know, selling drugs doesn't, you know, just to buy high and sell low. That's why I think, you know, in in some ways the modern economy 
based on kind of a misunderstanding of Adam Smith, just believes that anything that makes money is um, is a good thing. I was talking to a good friend of mine. He's he's a businessman, and we were out camping one day, and I told him about there's this little brewing company in Monroe, Wisconsin, and I think I forget. I think they brewed Augsburger beer and also brewed Huber. And the 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 family that owned the the little brewery sold it to somebody for five hundred thousand dollars. And what they did was they sold the label, the Augsburger label, the Strohs for a million dollars, and then just closed down the brewery. You know, put all those people out of work. And so they sold, they bought that brewery just to make a quick five hundred thousand dollars. They had no concern for the people working there. They had no concern for the people that enjoyed the beer that that brewery made, and they had, they had no concern for the community in which that brewery was located. All they wanted to do was make five hundred thousand um, dollars. I asked my friend if he would do that, and he looked at me and he, he said, "Only if I knew you'd find out about it, Eric." <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I, I mean, I think that's also important, too, as you're talking about this, you know, that, that we don't do things just uh, merely for earning, the, the sake of earning. Um, because Jesus, even though money itself is not problematic, Jesus does make that statement. It's more difficult for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter into heaven. So if we do find ourselves in a position where we have a certain degree of wealth, and, and, you know, let's be honest, here in the U.S., most of us are wealthier than almost the entire rest of the population of the globe. Um, you know, if we have a certain amount of wealth, a certain amount of comfort, we're probably even going to have more problems to, you know, attached with that wealth. It goes back to that attachment idea that you mentioned at the beginning, not to let those hold us back or become a stum- stumbling block to our faith. Yeah, and the other thing too with with money is that the the strong are supposed to help the weak. That's right, right. in scripture. It, the, those of us who've been given things, we've been given these things in order to help those who do not. And so with wealth comes an obligation to use that wealth to help other people in in, a, in appropriate ways. And this country is 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 built on it, it, in a certain sense that this country is built on greed. Um, held in check, I think, by the Christian virtues that are the people of America had for many years. Now that's slipping away. And you know, in other words, I got a company. I'm trying to make money at it, but I'm, I'm doing this in a, in a very Christian way. But that, that that's disappearing. You know, just uh, to uh, make money and to have it is fine. I have no responsibility to share with anybody, and as long as I'm not breaking any laws, it's you know, it's fine. And yeah, that's, that's not the country you want to live in. Uh, no, I, I remember reading an article about I think it was Sears, you know, and how Sears back in the the seventies and even into the eighties, it just had such quality, and people would work there for you know their life. The uh, uh, man might be able to provide for his entire family. He'd have a pension. You know, there'd be all these things associated with it. And there was some sort of switch there in the mentality of the earnings. And soon the pensions went away. Soon it wasn't something where you could support an entire family anymore. All those things kind of went away. And, you know, it makes me think of the idea of, you remember Reagan and the trickle-down economics. If the yeah. company makes good, all of that all of that wealth will trickle down to the employees. Well, unfortunately, it didn't trickle down in a lot no. of ways. And so I think that leads to where we are now, Father. Yeah. 
Yeah, it assumes that the people running the, co- the, the companies actually have a desire for the welfare of their employees. And uh, very often, you know, the, right now, when I read about caring for the welfare of the employees, it's only so that the company can make more money. It's, you know, if you just think about it, you know, human resources. Well, a human person is not a resource. It's, they're not like iron ore. Um, and but that's where a lot of and when we got to be we got to fix this because the the other side of the spectrum is socialism and and we do not want to go down that road. Right. You know that's right. worse. You know I, if I had to pick socialism and an evil capitalism, I'd pick an evil capitalism any day. <laughs> you know it's much better than socialism. But we, at the same time, we just don't want an evil, evil capitalistic society, you know. And so, I mean, the free market is a beautiful thing, but it's got to be done in a Christian way. And so the free market works when everybody involved in the free market is free to develop what they wish to develop for the, good, for the common good of the people around them. And part of that common good, obviously, is a profit. But as if it turns into that profit is the sole motive, then you have problems. And so for our listeners out there... You know, it's like, why are you, in a certain sense, even why are you painting your garage on a Sunday? Um, well, because it's the only day I can do it. Well, why, why Sunday? You know, maybe you should pay somebody to paint your garage if you don't have the time to paint it. Um, why, why are you working on Sunday if you don't have to work on Sunday? You know, some people don't. I mean, do have to work on Sunday. But are you working on Sunday just because you can, you know, you, you just want extra money? Um and, you know, why? how big of a house do I really need? How good of a car do I really need? How many pairs of shoes do I really need? Um, you know, that we're, we're not supposed to center our life around the things that we possess. We're supposed to center our life around the things that we do for other people and the love we show them, like, you know, sending, sending a warm pie over to their house. So, Right. Well, and, you know, when we... When we set aside that time, as you're talking about, you know, setting aside Sundays for God, making the Sabbath holy, you know, one of the Ten Commandments, uh, I, I remember hearing this man who was telling, he, he, he shared about his family and how they started tithing, and he said, we were really kind of at this place where we said, we don't think we can do it, but we're going to try, we're going to stretch ourselves, because they hadn't been really giving anything to the church, to the work of God, and so they started donating. And as they made those donations, he said, it was amazing how God really took care of us because in the months and years before that, the same amount of money would be gone, but it would be gone because we had an unexpected breakdown of an appliance or, uh, you know, there was a doctor bill that would come through and it would be, it would eat up that money. And for some reason, as soon as we started being faithful in tithing, God just took care of things. Even though it wouldn't have seemed financially that the numbers would work, it worked. And when we give to God, when we set aside, whether it's that time, like setting aside that Sunday, the work will get done if we set aside the money and say, we're going to give back to you, God, because we recognize everything is yours anyway. Um, And maybe we can talk about that here coming up in the next segment, Father, um, about how we can kind of change our mindset to be that of a a steward rather than an owner. Uh, Talking today here on The Inner Life with Father Eric Nielsen, and we're discussing the sin of greed, selfishness that we have in our lives, but the antidote to that as well, generosity. What has helped you 
to be a more generous person? What are some ways that you practice that attitude of stewardship, that you try to be a giving person rather than somebody who kind of hoards to yourself, only wants to take? Maybe it's difficult for you to be generous or you struggle with being selfish in some specific area of your life and you'd like to talk with Father Eric, you're welcome to call into the program, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And we'll be right back after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio... Today, we'd like to thank Deborah, who's listening in Florida, for donating her Wesco boat trailer. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating your old vehicle by visiting RelevantRadio.com slash car. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and our spiritual director for the hour today, Father Eric Nielsen, Father Eric is a priest in the Diocese of Madison, Wisconsin. He's the pastor of the St. Paul University Catholic Center on the campus of the University of Wisconsin in Madison. And today talking about greed, about selfishness, and the the right way to move away from that greed, from that selfishness, generosity, how we can grow in generosity. And we're also welcoming you to call in and share your story, what has helped you to be a more generous person, or maybe you really do struggle with being generous and you'd like some advice. Maybe there's a certain area of your life where you, you say, you know, I do have that attachment and I'm not sure how to take that first step in letting go. Uh, Maybe you've had somebody who's been generous toward you, and you can see how that made an impact on their life, as well as helping you in a time maybe where you needed that help. Our studio line to call in, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, and our email address is innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. And uh, Father, let's go to the phones here really quickly. Valerie is calling in from Chicago. Hi, Valerie. You're on the air with Father Eric. Hi, a Franciscan priest uh, told me about a decade ago to a group of us, folks who are stingy with money and things are also stingy with love. Um, And that kind of hit me in the heart because I wondered if I was too Spartan-like or frugal. And this led to some issues in our marriage until I heard the priest (laughs) say that. So, for instance, if my husband sees someone who's from our college at a bar, like he might order them drinks or he wants to do direct withdrawals to our church um, instead of us giving. So sometimes if we're out of town, we give to our own church and then our away church, which is actually really generous. So this um, principle from the Father and what you guys have been saying is like generosity just gives back and benefits you, benefits others. That overflowing sense of God's love and generosity has uh, helped me realize how lucky I am that my husband is generous with others because he's also generous with me in that regard. And I try to be more generous in turn. Yeah. Now what really sparked that in the two of you? Just hearing that one, just meeting that one priest. Uh, Yeah. I heard this one priest at a talk at St. Peter's church in the Chicago loop. um, And he was talking about different tendencies people might have. And he actually put, I was already married at the time, but he was telling people to 
when you're looking for a partner, keep in mind that people who are stingy with money are. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great line. Um, And then, so that kind of like, it was me. I like, oh, that, hmm. Oh, and then you change. Yeah, I remember um, my mom telling me that she married my dad. When she married my dad, she thought he was rich because of the way he spent his money. But uh, he was really poor. He just wasn't. Uh, he was very generous. Had a very generous father. Um, mm-hmm. He always gave a lot of money to the church, even though we were eating mostly mashed potatoes at home. So uh, yeah, that's a great, uh, great point. If you people who are stingy, that, that's the thing: is love of money shrinks your heart, and um, you lose the ability to love with it which is why it's so dangerous. Valerie, thanks so much for the call. Um, really appreciate your, your insight there from that priest uh, that shared with you years ago. Uh, you know, Father, a lot of times as we're discussing with um, greed, with selfishness, we've mainly been talking about money or material possessions but you also mentioned that you've seen with some of the college age and young adult uh, people that you interact with, you've seen in that they want experiences. They kind of become greedy or selfish with having the best experience that they can. Um, I'm also thinking that we can be selfish with relationships. You know, if I enjoy the company of a friend, could I be selfish in that, perhaps demanding more of my friend's time than I should, you know, keeping them away from family or work obligations, or especially I would think in a family setting. You know, if I'm the parent of a grown child who has their own family, but I'm a little lonely, you know, do I use guilt or manipulation to try and make my child spend more time with me to fill up some of that loneliness? Or or maybe I'm the grown child who I selfishly avoid spending time with my elderly parent who in indeed is quite alone. I, I, I think sometimes it can be easier to look at greed and selfishness when it comes to money and possessions, but it might be a bit more subtle when it comes to how we can be selfish with different relationships. Yeah, I think um, we should talk to the grandparents out there <laughs> if they uh, if they're being selfish with their uh, with their grandchildren at times or whatever. So I, I think you, uh, yeah, we can be selfish with anything, you know, and so anything we're attached to and. We can be envious of anything. We can also be envious sometimes. I think um, even married couples can be envious of the relationship that their that their child has with the opposite with their with their oh, sure. with their spouse, you know, and try to get in the way of that, you know, just out of a certain um, greed. You know, I need to have all the attention given to me. Um, obviously, there's other vices going into that. You know, more of the the, the vanity and the need to be appreciated and looked up to, but. I think you're absolutely right. It does kind of bleed into those uh, bleed into those other areas. You know, it's talking about relationships, and, and um, you know, there's more and more couples now that don't want children. You know, there's a certain selfishness in that. You know, I just want to. Uh, I, I only want to share um, my spouse with myself. You know, I don't want to have to. Sometimes I'll have a couple in there, and they're like, "Well, we're not going to have children for like four or five years." And I point out to him, well, you know, it's a vocation. The vocation mirrors a vocation, and part of that vocation is children. You know, what if I went up to the bishop? And they said, well, we just want to enjoy our marriage for a while. And I said, well, that's, it sounds good, but what if I would have gone up to the bishop and said, Bishop, you know, uh, I know you just ordained me, but uh, I don't want an assignment for about five years because I just want to enjoy my priesthood for a while. So just, you know, I just let me just enjoy it. 
so that, that whole idea that we can't be selfish with who we are as a person. You know, I've, I've been given talents and abilities, and it's my responsibility to use these talents and abilities to make the world a better place, to make it more beautiful, and to help others. You know, we can't, along the same line as time. You know, my selfish with my time, my greed with my time. Do I only use the time the way I want to use it for myself? You know, when other people come into my life, am I willing to allow them to uh, use my time? So there's so many different ways to be to be greedy outside just money. And yeah. You point out now I, I I think that's such a great point too about the you know that that kind of prevailing mindset that we see growing of we don't want to have kids or we don't want to have kids for quite a while into our marriage because there's there's speaking from a place of ignorance of just lack of experience there you know how how do you know you won't enjoy your marriage if you welcome children into it you know the idea that you can only enjoy those early years of your marriage if you don't have children um you're you're really kind of buying into a lie that is trying to be perpetrated out there by uh, I, I, I mean, it really comes down to kind of a culture that is so wrapped up in a contraceptive mentality. Um, and, and it really does all kind of focus back to selfishness there. It does, yeah. I mean, and that's contraception comes from greed. It's greed that inspired contraception because yeah. people wanted to limit the children they had because, you know, for whatever reason, mostly for money. And just to be quite frank out there, you know, um, selfish people, if they have children, will be more miserable. I mean, because if you're selfish and greedy, children are going to get in the way of your desi- your vanity and your desires and your and what you want. Yeah. And um, so that's you know I think you'll 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 destroy who you are as a person, and you you won't be as happy if you would become a generous person. So that's the beauty about children. It teaches you generosity. You know, it, well, it, it forces it forces you, you, yeah, 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 into I, generosity. It does, yeah, exactly. But but for some people, it doesn't. For some people, right, it just builds right. resentment and anger that they've got to take care of these kids. So you know, for them, maybe it is better not to have kids. Then, if that's you know, if yeah. that's where you're going to be, then, uh, then then don't do it. But you're right. You know, that's why my goal is, as, as you say, as, as you're alluding to. You will be happier in the long run by having children up front and becoming a more generous person and finding yourself married to a more generous spouse. And that will make the love for it between the two of you deepen and become more rich. Whereas if you postpone the kids for five, now there might be good reasons to postpone or whatever, right? But right. Um, but post, postponing the children out of selfishness is only going to make your marriage a more selfish relationship. And, you know, then your relationship works if the two of you are both getting out of the relationship what you both want to get out of it. And then if you're not, the relationship stops and you move on to the next one, which is what our culture tells us we should do. We should just maintain relationships for as long as they both work for the parties. And when when that wears thin, move on to another one. So yeah. that, that's that right, why. right, and that right now that's to have a spiral down. Yeah. Go ahead, Father. Yeah. I was going to say that's why getting married and having kids right now is the most. I think I really do believe is the most countercultural thing you can do, you know, in our society. Hmm. 
talking with Father Eric Nielsen here today. And, yeah, especially if you have more than two. Father Eric Nielsen is our spiritual director. And I want to, again, give out the phone number, 888-914-9149. As we're talking about uh, overcoming greed, overcoming selfishness in our lives, how we can become more generous people, and, and all the different facets of our lives, not just when it comes to money or possessions, but in relationships. Um, how are you able to live that out? What has helped you to be a more generous person? Or maybe it is a difficulty for you to be generous. You, you struggle with being selfish in a certain area of your life. And you have a question for Father Eric. You're welcome to call us 888-914-9149. Uh, Father, Mary is listening in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Mary, glad to have you here on The Inner Life. Good morning. I love this topic. I was very fortunate to go to um, Catholic grade school and learn very early from my sister and the nuns that being generous was something that we just should do. It's what God wants us to do. I and, and you know what? It is such a blessing, and you get so much more back. I had committed to pay for my two grandchildren to go to Catholic school, and, and that was scary because it's like, are you going to have enough money when you reach it's expensive, but I'm making the commitment to do that no matter what. And I'll tell you what, God will be there for you because I'm a commission sales rep and I was saving my money to pay the tuition, was worried about, oh gosh, am I going to have enough? And I'm a commission sales rep. I just got exactly sold enough exactly to pay that tuition. <laughs> mm. So it's like, I know that's God, and he wants me to do this. And, again, it's such a joy. I can't tell you. Just try being generous because it is such a joy, and God gives you tenfold back. Yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot, Mary. It's so much more beautiful and happy that you can be generous with what you have than to hold on to it. Um, You know, um, I've heard stories about that before, you know, where people give away money and then they needed something. Suddenly, you know, like the, the exact amount came back to them somehow, some other way. I remember as a little kid, I was, you know, we, we all got our pencils with our names on them for Christmas. And, you know, my my little brothers and sisters used them all up right away. And, and I know I'm going to hold on to these and just hold on it for some special moment. And, you know, and then I put them away somewhere and the special moment never never even came. And I think suddenly they just kind of disappeared. You know, and so, you know, it's funny how we save stuff that we think we're going to use and we never use it. If you if you have something in your closet that, that you haven't used for a couple of years, give it to St. Vincent de Paul. Let them make a little money on it and give it to somebody who actually can use it. And um, just there's no reason to hold on to stuff. And uh, yeah. you know, we, we just really want to be generous people. You know, Father, as Mary was sharing too, it also made me think. As she said, I, I have, and, and you said you've you've experienced this in your life. You know, people who have you know had the same experience. I've experienced it in my life too. Uh, that at a certain point, you're not sure how you're going to pay for something, and it's it's pressing. It's right there. It's urgent, and somehow the money comes through just in the nick of time. And that really kind of goes back to what we pray in the Our Father, give us this day our daily bread. And it helps us then to have that trust, have that faith that God re- really will provide. You know, he's He's not giving us, uh, you know, necessarily, at, at least most of us, he's not going to give us all this extra surplus that we need just so that we have it in case of an emergency. Because, I mean, I, I know with my kids, if <laughs> if I give them too much, 
they're just going to squander whatever it is. You know, it, it can be, uh, you know, whether it's toys or money or food or, you know, some, some sort of fun treat. They'll just go overboard and they won't have discipline. And so many of us as grown adults, we lack discipline. And so God knows, okay, you, you need this much at this time and he'll provide for it. And, and I think that's such a beautiful way for us to just look back and say, uh, if, if, if he provided for me here, I can trust he's going to provide for me in the future, too. That's it. God wants us to. That's a very good point, Josh. I mean, God wants us to trust him. And to. Uh, he doesn't um, give us all the food I mean, that we're going to need when, when we just show up in the world. Um, farmers have to grow their food every, every year. It comes around in cycles. And uh, that doesn't mean we necessarily need to live hand to mouth. But... Uh, the whole idea. I mean, I, I just, it's, it's crazy. I meet these young people here and they start saving for retirement right away. <laughs> and they're, you know, you're 23 years old and you're worried about retirement. Um, so I don't know. It's, uh, and it, you know, and the more you have, um, you know, I, I meet some students that, that, and, and they're, they're just nervous about the future and they, they got good jobs and they got no money in the bank. I mean, they got no, um, they got no loans out. And they're not married. I'm like, look, you can do whatever you want. You're on top of the world. Why are you worried about the future? You know, why are you worried about the money that you need? Um, I just had a real beautiful thing happen to me today. Um, a student, uh, somebody that works for me, came by. They they uh, they've been working here for a year, and now they're gonna they're they're gonna leave to go back to grad school. And um, she's got a little job in a. At a hospital, I think, and she said, you know, Father, I, I could have made a lot of money tomorrow, um, but uh, I decided not to go to it because I, uh, I'm going to I'm gonna go to my friend's um, little steak dinner that is having. It's better to be with my friend than, than to make money. And I thought, you know, that's, that's a great way of looking at life, right? You know, why, why should I just make a little bit more money when I can, you know, be with my friends for a little bit? So I, th- I think we need a little bit of that attitude. You know, the goal isn't to maximize our profit. The, the goal is to um, do good in the world, and we don't have to be making money to do good in the world. We don't. We're not supposed to be lazy. We're, we're, we're created to work, and, and and work is a beautiful, good thing. And sometimes it makes a lot of money, and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I'm a I'm a father of eight, and I need to work for money. And sometimes all I have to do is take care of myself. You know, so maybe I can do other things that are more helpful to others and doesn't make as much money. You know, and so that we just we just can't make the amount of money we're going to make as as the number one criteria for the decisions we make. And I see that all the time. I see that when you know it's funny too when people well why did you move in with each other? Well, we're saving money. Well, in order to right. save money, you know they're committing mortal sin, and uh, and they, they 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 tell me that as if it justifies it. You know, well, well, Father, that we we had to because we, you know, we're we're going to save money this way, and and they just say it as if that then that justifies mortal sin. So it's just it's just in, it's just ripe through our culture this uh, desire for money. Yeah, right. The the almighty dollar. Again, talking with Father Eric Nielsen here today on the Inner Life. Uh, Father Eric is a priest in the Diocese of Madison, Wisconsin, talking about 
how we overcome greed, overcome selfishness in our lives, uh, our lives, and how we can grow in generosity. And how has that happened in your life? What has helped you to be a more generous person? Or maybe being generous is a challenge for you. There are areas of your life where you are selfish, and it's hard to let go of that selfishness in those certain places, uh, those certain areas of your life. And you'd like to talk with Father Eric, you're welcome to call us, 888-914-9149, More to come here with Father Eric and more of your phone calls after this on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and today talking with Father Eric Nielsen about how we can be generous, how we can let go of the selfishness, the greed in our lives, how we can be generous people, and also inviting you to call in 888-914-9149, Father, you know, want to talk about... Uh, in all this discussion about wanting more of whatever it might be, you know, whatever is driving that selfishness that we feel that something is lacking in our life, uh, it really kind of goes back to what St. Augustine famously said at the beginning of his confessions. There's that line that has been quoted again and again, our hearts are restless, O Lord, until they rest in you. But that's really kind of what this goes back to. We are trying to fill up something that should ultimately be filled by a relationship with God. So what do you think is kind of that first step? If we find ourselves where there's that lack of trust or there's that worry or there's that, um, you know, that desire, I, I need this other thing or I need more of this, and that's when I'll be satisfied, how, how do we kind of change our outlook so that we we can have that truth, that knowledge, that we're only going to be satisfied, we're only going to be at peace when we're in that loving relationship with God. Where do we start? Okay, well, first, you know, it's we start with the fact that, you know, you're going to have to start with just sitting down and realizing, okay, I haven't been able to find, I'm so old, I haven't been able to find peace yet, so I'm, I'm going to have to turn to God. And, as, and I have to realize that my... Come to the realization that there's nothing in this world that's going to satisfy me. The only thing that's going to satisfy me is heaven. And we see that par excellence in our Lord Jesus dying on the cross. You know, there he is, stripped of everything. You know, that's our model. And I look at Jesus who gave up everything for me with the promise of heaven. And, you know, who, who gloriously resurrected three days later. You know, that's my model. That if you know that if I give up everything, and eventually we have to anyway, because we're all going to die, I will be gloriously resurrected in heaven. And eventually, as I just said, eventually we're going to have to give everything up. I, I got to give it up eventually. And if I give it all up now, I, I'm given the advantage of a promise of heaven. So why not do it now rather than wait till I die? And um, you know that can be a hard thing to do, but you need that faith. And so ask our Lord Jesus for that faith. Turn to Our Lady, say the rosary, say, I need more faith so that I can give up this stuff now rather than having it stripped from me when, I, when I'm when i on my deathbed. Because when it's stripped from you on your deathbed, it's not going to do you any good. So, 
It's like that old story about the pig and the cow, where the pig goes to the cow and says, you know, why does everybody like you so much and people don't like me so much? And the cow says, well, I suppose it's because I give my milk while I'm still alive, and for you to give meat, you got to be dead. And so now, you know, now's the time. And then we want to start by tithing. I think it's a great thing to do. You know, the church... The church pretty much says that you're not supposed to give 10%. You're supposed to give everything. In other words, whatever you don't need, you're supposed to give away. So for a lot of people, I think that should be more than 10%. Um, I tell my congregation that you do not want to um, give away less money than you spend on your luxuries every year. So whatever your luxuries are, give away more money than that. And that means if you have a boat or if you have a you know, a second home or whatever it is that you've got that you really don't need, you want to be giving at least that much money away, you know, to the church or to your poor neighbor or to somebody. Um, But you can just start by giving away 3%. Um, Just give away something. Um, If you've got a lot in your closet, just go through the closet, and I'm going to give away every third shirt that I got. No matter what shirt it is, I'm giving away every, every third shirt, you know. Just start small like that. Yeah, I had a priest, uh, pastor at an old church who said, you know, give one thing away every single day of the year. And even at the end of the year, you'll still end up with more than you started with. And I've never, I've, I've, I've always forgotten. I've wanted to do that, you know, like start January 1st. And, and then I don't think about it until I'm probably like in March or something. But uh, he, he, he lived that out too. I saw him do that all the time. He was always constantly giving something to somebody else. Uh, Father, we've only got a couple minutes here, but want to try and get one more phone call on. Sherry is calling from Portland, Oregon. Sherry, welcome to the inner life. Uh, Welcome. uh, Glad to have you here with Father Eric Nielsen. Thank you. My question is about generosity in terms of raising children. I was intrigued by what Father was saying. And my situation is we have a 25-year-old daughter with severe developmental disabilities. We've raised three other kids who are out on their own. And my husband and I are struggling with continuing to be extremely generous in terms of not only having her live with us, but the financial support, all of the things that go along with continuing to basically raise a child after we feel like we should be done. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. No, absolutely. That's, I mean, it's, it's, that's, it's a very, um, it's a very incredibly generous thing to do is to, you know, to raise that child for, I mean, and to stick with that child and it, it can be, Rather, um, you know, if you're not careful, you can really give in to self-pity and to discouragement because of it. And so you just have to really know that your reward will be great in heaven for the sacrifice that you're making. And, Father, I think that kind of goes back to what you were saying just a moment ago. You know, there are certain things we have to pay for, but there are other things that are luxuries. So if you can be generous out of what isn't a luxury area that allows for that um father we're just flat out of time here i wish we had more time to talk and take more phone calls but uh we've got about 15 seconds could i ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners sure in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit heavenly father to your blessing send the holy spirit upon all of our listeners here today so that they may know concretely what steps they can take to have a heart that is more generous and free of attachments to money and we ask this through your son jesus christ our lord Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Father Eric. Always great to have you on the program. Stay tuned. We've got Mass coming up next here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.